Power Hour. Coal. Oil. Natural gas. Power Hour, the show where today's top energy experts break down today's top energy issues. No sound bites, no talking points, no nonsense, no BS, no softball questions, no vagueness, just in-depth analysis and ruthless clarity. Here's your host, Alex Epstein. Welcome to Power Hour. I'm Alex Epstein. All right, this week we're going to have a different kind of show. Every week is different in our content, and every week there's a different guest, but today the quote-unquote guest will be me. It'll be an excerpt from my new course, How to Talk to Anyone About Energy. I've talked about this for several weeks now, and it finally exists. You can go online and find it right now, and... So far, the reaction we've been getting has been uh, awesome. So I, on this episode, wanted to share with you about the first 21 minutes of the course, which is the intro and then what's called Module 1. There are six modules, and I think you'll get a lot of value out of that, and hopefully you will want the whole thing. Uh, So I will tell you a little bit more about the course as a whole, although that'll be included in the intro as well uh, afterward, but for now, just... Uh, Just take a listen, see what you think, and we will be back on the other side to discuss uh, some other aspects and and other reasons why I think this will help you and uh, anyone else you know who cares about winning hearts and minds on energy issues. Power Hour, because what you don't know about energy can kill you. Here's Alex Epstein. Welcome to How to Talk to Anyone About Energy. I'm Alex Epstein, author of The Moral Case for Fossil Fuels and the president of the Center for Industrial Progress. And I have been thinking about teaching a course like this uh, for for years probably, but particularly in the last couple months. I've gotten one question over and over and over and over, and I haven't had a really good answer to it, and I finally do now. And so that question is, if, I'm, if I agree with you, Alex, if I'm an advocate of what I'd call energy abundance, including the moral case for fossil fuels, what can I do when I talk to friends, neighbors, family about these issues? And this is particularly relevant now. I'm recording this the day before Thanksgiving. I'm perhaps cutting it a little bit close because I'm going from Laguna Beach to uh, LAX, which is the Los Angeles airport, to fly to the Washington, D.C. area, uh, Chevy Chase, Maryland in particular, where I'm visiting my family. And for many people, particularly people within the energy industry and within that, particularly within the fossil fuel industry, can have a lot of dread around that. Now, maybe if they're around their comfort zone, the people and their family that might be in the industry, it's no big deal. But what about when you run into that person who went to Harvard or who's from the East Coast or who's from the West Coast and they say, how can you do what you're doing for a living? Or how can you justify fracking? 
it's contaminating our groundwater, it's causing earthquakes, it's causing climate change, what is going on? And, and this can be overwhelming. I think it can be difficult even if you are a professional communicator. I know a lot of professional communications people ask me uh, for help in doing something like this, but let alone if, if your job is to do is nothing related to communications. You're not practicing this. What do you do? And so the usual thing that comes up is somebody will say, well, can you give me a talking point or a line to use when somebody says X? So if they ask this question about fracking, then you have a response and then I'll give you a response to something else. And there's, there is something true to that. But I think there's a much, much more powerful answer and that's going to be the subject of this course. So the goal of this course is in 90 minutes, and we're going to break it up into six different topics or modules, we're going to turn supporters of energy abundance, that's you, if you don't consider yourself basically in line with the energy abundance moral case for fossil fuels line of thinking, that's totally okay, but first go read the moral case for fossil fuels, because this is assuming you're already in basic agreement, then how do you persuade the many people uh, who disagree with you? So it's, the goal is to make you literally, literally twice as effective. So you go home for Thanksgiving, you have some antagonistic people, you learn how to frame things the way we're going to talk about, you feel much better and you're much more effective and you can do more in less time, which is the goal in anything, particularly here. And then on a longer time scale, we want to give you the tools to make yourself 10 times more effective. And I mean that literally 10 times more effective. Now, part of that is that I think the tools we're going to discuss today are incredibly effective. The other thing is I think that common practice in one-on-one -on -one discussion is incredibly ineffective. And that's not to be hard on anyone, that's actually good news. Because the more we learn that we're not doing the right thing now, the more upside there is in terms of room for improvement. If you were already doing the best possible, and not getting the results you wanted, that would be tragic. But if you're making some huge mistake that is correctable without an enormous amount of effort, an enormous amount of time as well, that is good news. And so I have good news for you today. So to get there, we're going to have six 15-minute modules. Now, my basic commitment is 90 minutes overall they're not each going to be 15 minutes, they're, they're going to be weighted uh, pro probably pretty differently. And in particular, number two is going to be huge. I'm going to argue that number two, this idea of the rules of constructive discussion, is a complete game changer. I think that my over the years discovery of, of what rules to follow and what rules to hold everybody to so that a, uh, a discussion is constructive just changes the whole game and makes it better for everybody. It's not a trick. It's actually something to make sure that everything is honest and that way the truth has a better chance of winning out and that way people can really get clarity instead of just arguing across each other about 15 different issues. But step one is going to be before we understand the solution about how to do this, it's important to understand the problem. Why is it that discussing energy and environmental issues is so hard even though I'm going to argue Fundamentally, it isn't. I'm going to argue fundamentally, you can make a lot of progress with just about anyone. So we've got why it's hard, then we've got the rules, then a couple of ideas I'll just intrigue you with here and then elaborate later. Don't try to convince, share how you 
uh, came to be convinced. And then the next one, number four, is going to be the easiest, most powerful, and most underutilized way to change someone's thinking. Then we're going to go into in-depth discussion, do's and don'ts. And then we're going to go into upgrading your own understanding and, and clarity. So that's, that's the agenda. Each one of these will be clear as we go along. So let's start out with why discussing energy and environmental issues seems so hard, even though it isn't. So again, this is what happens all the time. This is the question I get, and, and these are the kinds of objections you get. So in this course, we're going to take this general line of question about fracking as our, as our object lesson. I'm going to take you step by step with how I address this kind of issue. And I, I really want to uh, thank, actually, uh, a group of of uh, very bright young people at the company Pioneer Energy. Uh, Pioneer Energy is a company with about 4,000 people. The CEO, Scott Sheffield, I, I met him at an event and I tried to convince him, you know, if you, you really want to get your employees to be champions, get them the moral case for fossil fuels. That is the most organized way I know of learning these things. And if you have that level of clarity that's in that book. If you have access to that, it'll change their lives. And he, he took me up on that. He got a copy for each person in the company. And in exchange, I agreed to come uh, speak at the, uh, the company for free, which I don't usually do. So anyone listening to this, you don't get that offer. But they were the first to do it, and I wanted to see what happened. And when I got there, uh, the employees only had the book for a couple days, actually, although some of them had read it in advance. And they were already super excited. And, and had lots of questions, but the number one question was this, this, what do I do when I talk to friends, neighbors, family? And I thought, you know what, we need a supplement. We need the clarity, which I'm going to argue is the fundamental, but we also need the methodology of how you communicate your clarity to other people, including in these kinds of sticky situations. And to develop this course, I said, all right, well, you guys tell me what the trickiest situations you run into are. And then I'm just going to, off the top of my head, respond how I would respond in real life because I've been in thousands of things like this and, and learned a lot over the years. And then we'll see what are the principles. So the example we're taking today is actually, in many cases, almost verbatim from a discussion I had in, in one of our, our, uh, our mock discussions, but it very much resembles, I think you'll see, the way things go in real life. So I think that'll help to uh, what we can call concretize the principles to make them more real to show you for each of these principles how it applies to a discussion about fracking. And then you can imagine it can apply to coal or climate or you know any of the other uh, dimensions of things. So that's the number one question. Now the fact is that in most cases, the answer is not very uh, effective. So with this kind of fracking discussion, if you've been in one or, or, or fill in the blank with your own, the discussion will just go all over the place. You know, they'll say something, you'll respond, they'll interrupt, it gets emotional, you know, you get accused of things, you get mad sometimes, you don't know what to say, they bombard you with a million things, how are you going to ever do that? And before you know it, an hour or two has passed, nothing has been accomplished, perhaps friendships or family relationships have been degraded, but you definitely don't feel the feeling of empowerment that you feel when another human being has more knowledge and more clarity in his or her head because of what you said or did. And that is possible. 
uh, I get that experience all the time, but it's because I know the method that I'm going to share with you. So to measure how much progress you make, I want to start out by having you measure where you are. So I'm going to talk about your energy persuasion aptitude. Now, some of you might have noticed that 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 the letters for that are EPA, which is just kind of funny. Uh, but this is a different EPA. This is a better EPA. So this is your energy persuasion aptitude. So on a scale of negative five to five, what is your energy persuasion aptitude? How good are you? I like to think of it as neutralizing attackers. How good are you at turning non-supporters into supporters? How good are you at turning supporters into champions? And I, I use the scale of negative five to five because I, I don't like one to 10 for communications because that implies that any effort you put in will somehow be positive. And that is not true. We can see, you know, anyone who's ever been in any kind of relationship has seen, well, sometimes when I say something that makes things worse, hopefully not most of the time, but it definitely can happen. So sometimes you actually make things worse by having the conversation. So where do you where do you stand? Might be zero, you don't feel like you're making much progress, might be negative one, might be one. I think a lot of people feel like they're in that that range. And it's understandable that you're in that range because there are a lot of things that can go wrong that if you're not aware of them and you don't really understand them, it's just really hard to make progress, particularly in a culture that has antagonistic views. So I like this expression, respect the problem. If we're going to try to do something new and groundbreaking, we need to first respect the problem, understand why the problem is so hard in the first place. So here's what I see as the, the problem. It's helpful to think of all persuasion as figuring out a way to take someone from their context, both of facts and emotions. So I like to call that point A. And then you're taking them from that toward your factual emotional context, which is point B. And the thing to get is that that distance is enormous. We can call it a chasm even. There's so many, if you believe in something like the moral case for fossil fuels, that contradicts so much of what we hear, whether we're in grade school or in grad school or in career. I, I like to think of it as the average person has at least 200 hours of what I view as miseducation on energy issues, and very few even get one hour of true education. So if, if you feel like you've got the truth, you've got this seemingly insurmountable amount of miseducation to overcome. So just let's take the example of, of fracking. So even just with fracking itself, there's the concerns about groundwater, earthquakes, chemicals causing cancer, noise caused by the operations, road damage, uh, housing prices going up so the locals can't afford houses anymore, uh, methane leakage, you name it. But then on top of that, that's not just it, because in a fracking discussion, the issue of climate will probably come up. And so then you have all the issues connected 
uh, to climate. So the dying polar bears and the melting ice caps, and isn't this the hottest year on record? And aren't we having rising sea levels and the storms are becoming more dangerous? And look at California, how can you deny that there's a catastrophe? And how can you be engaged in fracking instead of moving to clean, green renewables? Right? It's just so much. And, and it seems like even one of those would be hard. And you got all of them. And then every day, it's not as if the media are chipping away at this and trying to educate properly. They themselves are immersed in this, so they're reinforcing it every day. So that's what I call respecting the problem. There, there is this difficulty. So what do we do? And this, I think, is really the key. We have to realize that the key issue is not a particular fact or particularly or a particular emotion uh, somebody has in regard to this issue it's the method and if you've read the moral case for fossil fuels you know that a lot of the case has to do with establishing the right method for figuring out what's right and wrong and then applying it to fossil fuels so if we think of this point a and point b thing the vast majority of the, the distance is actually in the method of thinking. And, and this is true in general. Usually if, if you find yourself at odds over lots and lots and lots and lots of specifics, it's usually not a purely factual dispute if you come down to it. There are issues of, of values and, the, and issues of values are partially an issue of, of method. One issue of method is what are we, what do we take as valuable? How do we measure value? What is our, our standard of value or, or our moral standard? So in moral case for fossil fuels, I name three methods. They're not, they're not the only methods, but they're three methods that are really important, that are essential to come to the right conclusion about energy and environmental issues and really any other controversy. So there's the issue of the big picture, which means we have to look at everything. We have to look at the positives and negatives very carefully of all the alternatives. We can't just use, we can't just look at the positives of one and the negatives of another, and we can't just act like the negatives of one are huge if they might be mild. So, and when we use terminology, therefore, we have to be clear about magnitude. We can't just say climate change. We have to be clear, do we mean catastrophic man-made climate change, or do we mean uh, moderate climate change, moderate warming? mild even, or none. You have to be really clear about magnitudes of things. So uh, another issue you have to be clear about is what is your goal? And this, this I think, is the most subtle but most important. What is your, your moral standard? Are we measuring good and bad by the ideal of being green, which means minimizing our impact, which means that any impact we have on climate is immoral? Even if it was good for humans, it would be immoral. And even if it's you know, mild and not that consequential it should be a huge moral focus because it's wrong to change things, period. Or, or as our moral standard, we want to maximize human well-being, so we judge impacts on climate in the full context of is the action that's impacting climate overall good for human life or overall bad for human life. And then the third thing is, is an issue of experts. How do we use experts? Experts are cited all the time. You hear this 97% of climate scientists agree. And it's important to realize that the way that we treat experts, and in particular whether we treat them as authorities to be obeyed without explanation, or, or 
uh, to the contrary, in contrast, do we view them as, as advisors who are obligated to explain their positions, including how much they know and how they know it. So the proper view is experts as advisors. So you can't just say 97% of scientists agree with this vague thing and then that's okay. No, you, you're welcome to cite that, but you have to explain what exactly they mean and why. Why are they saying it? What is their proof? Everybody has to prove their case. So the idea, and, and this is really discussed at length in the moral case for fossil fuels and, and really culminated in a long explanation in chapter nine, which is the last chapter, the reason for all of this huge volume of attacks against fossil fuels in particular, but also nuclear power uh, is, is a close second, is because the method of thinking is not focused on the big picture, is not focused on human life, and is focused on obedience to so-called experts, not actually having the experts be clear thinkers who provide proof for their claims. So the good news about this is if we can convince people of the right method, then what happens is very quickly, the way they think about everything else changes. So if they hear something about polar bears, first of all, they know a lot of these quote unquote experts have a horrific track record of being wrong. Then they also think, well, how am I prioritizing polar bears? Is it if I'm looking at the big picture and recognize that the fossil fuel industry is the only industry capable of providing cheap, plentiful, reliable energy for billions. If, if that goal actually required the death of X number of polar bears or the change of their habitat, would that be worth it? Well, if I'm on a human standard of value, absolutely it would. So you see how, how the same issue can be filtered and processed completely different based on the method. And the nice thing about the methods, the proper methods, is that even though people don't practice them, it's almost impossible to argue with any of the right methods. So that means that it's actually easy and people will be grateful for you to name fairly early in the conversation the method that you should use to resolve the issue before jumping in to your view. The, the, the mistake that is always made is to just jump into, oh, this is what I think about fragging. Here's my answer, without stepping back and saying, okay, great. Well, for sure, let's talk about this, but how are we going to come at the right answer? How are we going to know if fracking is good or not? Well, here's how we're going to know. And this gets to the rules of constructive discussion and how to enforce them. And this is probably going to be uh, the longest part of the course because once you get this, everything else is relatively easy. And if you don't get this, everything will always be hard. All right, now on the video, I outlined the six modules of the course. I should say it is a video and you can see it at industrialprogress.com slash energy hyphen champion. That's industrialprogress.com slash energy hyphen champion. Uh, we've got to get a more convenient link, but you guys are all smart. So for now, you'll be fine with that one. So there's the, there's the six modules and, and it's video. Now it's, it's not me talking in front of a camera. I think it's something better, which is it's outline points of, of the concepts that I'm discussing in such a way that, you know, that you can see them, that it's easier to take notes and that kind of thing. So there's, uh, there's those six modules, but then in addition to those, those modules, so again, the modules are why 
the first one is about why energy seems so discussing energy seems so hard even though it isn't and you heard that one then number two which is the most popular one and the most in-depth one is called the rules of constructive discussion and how to enforce them I think you'll see that is so much of it is in understanding the rules why they exist and how to implement them then there's don't try to convince share how you became convinced then module four is the easiest, most powerful, and most underutilized way to change someone's thinking. Uh, module five is in-depth do's and don'ts. And module six is upgrading your understanding and clarity. Just so you guys get to know me a little bit better, I just noticed that the person who did this site uh, thought he or she was being clever in subtracting a comma before an and in one of my sentences. Now, by the time you see this, it should be gone, but it says the easiest, most powerful, and most utilized, and there is no comma after powerful, even though I put one there. So, for anyone who cares, I love serial commas, which means the comma before the and, because it makes it unambiguous that you are talking, uh, that you are dividing the item, uh, the list up once again, instead of wondering whether in this case, powerful and whether wondering whether that's the second item that is a conjunction of two things or whether there's a discrete third item. So in writing and speaking, we never want to create any ambiguity whatsoever about what we mean, which means that in, in every point of the sentence, every word of a speech, we want the audience to be able to follow it without ambiguity. Now, I do not always achieve this, but I always recognize that it is the goal to be achieved. So maybe I will get a lot of interesting messages from opponents of serial commas, but nevertheless, if you have a right to me or work for me, certainly know my philosophy on this. All right, there's another, another communication lesson. I'm sure you're, you're thrilled with it. All right, now, but we've got some more valuable lessons. So I, I don't think I've mentioned yet the, uh, the, the price of the course. So the, the price of the course is $75, and that is for individual licenses, and it's also for uh, group licenses. And my basic goal in setting the price was to make this accessible to anybody who was even remotely uh, motivated. So whether you're an individual, you know, I understand people are on tight budgets, but uh, you know, th this can really transform you. It's, it's within your reach. And the way I think of it is you can buy this plus the moral case for fossil fuels for less than $100. And so as I think of it, with 10 hours, you can just change the whole framework that you have for thinking about these issues and talking about them and also have just about all the concretes you need to think about and talk about the issues. And that includes all the concrete claims uh, from what I'll generously call the wrong side of the issues. And in terms of companies, if you, you know, for them in particular, you know, companies have paid in the past a lot of, a lot of money for this kind of information. And, you know, because if you bring in a high level speaker, you're, you're talking about something like $20,000 in engagement. It's sort of, sort of, that market is sort of crazy. Uh, but nevertheless, and, you know, when I would do this kind of thing, I would, and, and teach workshops, I would be happy that people were really interested in what I had to say and willing to pay for it, but I would be sad that 
the knowledge would be distributed to, relatively speaking, so few people. And even the form it was in, because I was I was lecturing and they didn't retain the lecture, it, it just wasn't, even that was not at quite the level I wanted. So now this 100% I'm telling you is way better uh, in, than any $20,000 workshop I've ever given. And it's available to uh, you know, everybody in the company for the 75 bucks each add in the moral case for fossil fuels again you're talking about 90 95 uh, dollars so in terms of the training budgets of employees as i understand them i think that's uh, that's very reasonable and we're talking about for less than 100 dollars you you can if you run a company you can change you can change the life i mean that literally of of the people who work at your company who work in the energy industry i think i think for them it's it's the most uh, of a no-brainer. Now I mentioned the modules in the course, but I think to maximize those, uh, a couple of other things were needed. And and when I was making this course, I just thought, what what can I possibly give people? Whether it's existing content that I've already created, or new content that will be helpful. So a couple I gave a couple of existing things, but then also a couple of new things that that I had to create, and I, I learned a lot from creating them, and I think you will too. So the uh, the main existing thing I included was uh, real-life discussions in hostile territory. Now, you may not have seen all of these, but I collected a couple of the discussions to show you how the principles of one-on-one -on -one communication that I talk about in this course, I actually use in reality, whether it's an actual one-on-one -on -one discussion or a question-and-answer period at a hostile campus, which is a, it has many similarities to a one-on-one -on -one conversation. And I think you'll see that the same things that apply to structuring a one-on-one -on -one conversation apply also to structuring the a conversation with many people at the same time. And and one has to even more have, have even more discipline about following the rules. One has to have even more discipline uh, about connecting everything to a central thread. And that I think is much harder. But I think if if you can see it in that kind of difficult situation, it, it's you'll find it much easier to implement one-on-one. -on -one. Now, there are three other things that I've I've either gotten requests for or I've thought this would be really useful. So one is a, a talking points database. So I get all the time, hey, can you just give me some points on this issue? So I just, I collected a bunch of my favorites. I think we advertise it as 30. I think it's, it's many, many more. It's at least 60. It's probably upwards of 100 by now. And this will be something that I'll update and refine over time. But these are, if you, if you look at a given issue, or it's climate issue, pollution, these are some of the, the formulations that I have or the, the facts that I like to cite that I think can be super effective. So use them, use them as you think, uh, you know, which ones work for you. you don't, you're not obligated to use any of them and, and never, never do anything that's not sincere, that doesn't feel like you. But I think some of them will resonate with you and it'll give you an easy go-to instead of having to always formulate something new on the spot. This is a, a lesson I've learned over the years, and, and I've really taken it from comedians, where you want to you want to have material developed. So stuff that really, really works for you, that you've tested, and that you can use over and over and over. Now, this is not, it's not phony in any way, because it's yours, it's your beliefs but you're you're remembering the most effective way to communicate your beliefs instead of just always trying to 
to reinvent the formulation of those beliefs. All right, so that talking points database, I think people find that super valuable. There's also a discussion checklist, which has to do with module two, uh, the rules. Now th that'll make a lot more sense once you hear them. So these are the five things to remember before you go into any conversation. But if, if, if you follow these, you'll find that just you have this control over the situation and this ability to take a discussion that could be a mess and just a huge amount of time and, and make it far more constructive and pleasant and, and have the, the outcome that you want. And then the final one, and, and we might add more later, but the final one is how to destruction, how, <laughs> destruction, wow. This is the problem, by the way, because I have the term structure and discussion, and I'm not dyslexic, but uh, I guess not as far as I know, but sometimes uh, it's funny because I talk, and I also have constructive. That's the thing that threw me in the course sometimes because I have constructive and discu uh, discussion. So if you blend those together, it's destruction, which is exactly the opposite of the theme I'm trying to stress. So anyway, how to structure any discussion. And this is a flow chart. And this is pretty cool. I mapped out, I tried to think about what do all discussions have in common? So what are, what are the different starting points? And then what, can, what are the different things that can happen at each stage and how do you deal with them? And what I found is there's a lot of regularity in them that you, pretty much you handle the beginning of things very similarly, uh, regardless of how favorable or unfavorable the other person is. And then you have to have the same discipline to f following the rules of constructive discussion to knowing when, to, when and how to enforce those rules, to know when to move forward. Uh, there's a lot of just different, there's a lot of nuance to it, but it's always really fun, I think, if, if you have spent a lot of time developing uh, an aptitude, which I have in this case, this aptitude of one-on-one -on -one discussion, to be able to, to map it out in a way that other people will find it useful. So I, I think I've done this with this uh, flowchart. So that's that's the course, how to talk to anyone about energy. So it's the six modules, and then it's the talking points database, the discussion checklist, the how to structure any discussion flowchart, and then the real life discussions in hostile territory. Now, uh, if you want to see some of the early impressions of the course, you can go to industrialprogress.com slash energy hyphen champion. And I think you'll see that you know, people people gave it very very positive reviews. I sent out a, co a couple of copies in advance, and they got from it exactly what I wanted them to get, which is a, a, a rapidly increased aptitude to have constructive discussions about these issues. And if we think about this in the broader context of what we're trying to do, uh, we're ultimately trying to win more people to a cause that's losing in the culture. So we can call that cause human progress uh, on a narrower level, it's industrial progress, and on a narrower level, it's energy progress or energy uh, abundance. And that cause is not, is not winning. It's growing, but it's not winning. So how do you make it grow more quickly? Well, I think, there, I think of it in terms of the concept of a the analogy of a magnet. So I think of, of myself and of materials as mental magnets. So if I have a position, 
I want to increase the power of my magnetic field to bring others or to, to polarize others toward, in the, in the good sense, uh, change the polarity of others in the direction that I want. So there are two ways I can do this, and I think both are incredibly underutilized. One is to become a more effective persuader myself in all the different media that I have access to. And so this, this course is focused on that, particularly through the media that you have access to, which are discussions with other people. Everybody has that in their lives, and that can be a very powerful thing. Now, the other thing, and this is something I stress in the course, is the other thing you have at your disposal is access to resources that you can share with people. So uh, we just had an uh, this just happened yesterday. It's December 9th as I record this. A congressman, Keith Rufus, talked about the moral case for fossil fuels explicitly and used some of the ideas on uh, on the floor of Congress, which was really really cool. Now, somebody gave Keith Rufus that book. Now that person d didn't have to be a world class persuader, but but that person made themselves into a way bigger magnet because they gave a magnetic resource to somebody who himself is a magnet just by virtue of the fact that he has so much access, you know, let alone doing a good job presenting uh, the ideas and anything else he might do in addition to that congressional uh, uh, to that congressional commentary. So these two things of making that involve making yourself a more powerful mental magnet are so there's just there's just so much to them and if and if you're excited by the growth of the ideas that you hear about on this show you see them more and more and more uh that's because i deliberately think about how to make myself more of a mental magnet and that's why i created this course because i can make you a much better mental magnet by teaching you a lot of what i've learned and and teaching it in a much more straightforward way than than i learned it so it's it's of course it's not that you'll have the time or even the, the full skill to do exactly what it is that a full-time person is able to do. But it's very realistic that you can become three times better and long-term even ten times better. And if you can do that, then we're going to see a much, much faster growth of this. And when things like these uh, Paris negotiations go on in the future, or when these discussions happen even next year, when the discussions happen even next year, in the presidential race, if, if we can grow quickly enough, we're going to see many more voices talking about the moral case for fossil fuels, uh, the moral imperative of, of energy abundance, the need to focus on human progress and industrial progress not being green. So individually, I think you'll just, in terms of pure enjoyment, I think from, from listening to the course and applying it, I think you'll, you'll be totally happy uh, with investing in it. But I want to give you the bigger picture for me because I know a lot of you care about cultural change. And the point I want to emphasize is that it is possible. We just have to be very, very strategic about it. So I, I wanted to give you my strategy here and then show how you yourself can be way, way more strategic and impactful. All right. Once again, the address of the course is industrialprogress.com slash energy hyphen champion. I will leave aside all the usual things because I want the usual ending things because I want to focus on that this week. Uh, I hope a lot of you get the course and 
If you get the course, please send me feedback, positive or negative. Although in this case, I hope that it's love mail, not hate mail. If it is hate mail, I will definitely refund your money. Uh, but anyway, very I'm very excited about the opportunity to teach some ideas that I've never taught before. And I myself learned a lot, a lot from doing it. And I think you will as well. All right. Next week, we will be back with a normal power hour. So we will be back with another great guest, another great topic. Until then, I'm Alex Epstein. This has been Power Hour. Power Hour. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of energy. Power Hour. The antidote to shallow thinking about energy issues.